Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner. We've made it all the way to episode 35. I'm Bobby Bancroft. I'm here with Casual Hoya, Andrew Geiger. And Andrew, we have a special bracketologist guest. We do. We do indeed. We are actually big time enough to have a guest on the show who's actually legitimate. Um, and That's so good. we have Brad, Walk- Brad Wachtel, who is one of the nation's leading bracketologists. He's here to talk about Georgetown. Georgetown's resume to date. Um, Brad, how's it going? Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. How's it going, guys? Uh, so a little bit about myself. So there's there's a ton of bracketologists out there right now, but there's not many bracketologists out there who have actually worked in college basketball. Uh, so I worked at Rutgers University with the men's basketball team as their director of basketball administration from 2010 to 2016. Um, and I'm also a Rutgers alum, graduated back in 2005, and I was a team manager with the team. So I've spent 10 years working uh, in college basketball. So I like to think I know a, a thing or two about it. Where, yeah, where and, can and people find you on Twitter? Twitter? Yeah, it's at bwachtel23. That's at B-W-A-C-H-T-E-L-23. I was just going to say, it's amazing you, you've, you've gotten here. I mean, you, you seem to survive the, the Eddie Jordan era. Is that correct? That is correct. I survived the Eddie Jordan <laughs> era. I was also at Rutgers when Mike Rice was coaching. Um, so ah. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen through, I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. I greatly appreciate, you know, both those guys. And, you know, obviously things didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Um, my, my personal goal I've always wanted to be part of the NCAA tournament as an employee. It didn't happen. And that's a big reason why I do bracketology. It kind of keeps me close to it. Um, and I love to know how every team is doing and stay up to date on, on everyone's progress. Well, so let's, let's dive right into it. I mean, how do you become a bracketologist? Like how, how, I'm assuming you follow, you know, Lenardi and some of those other guys. It seems like it's an ever expanding field of people throwing their hat into the ring these days like what's your what's your how'd you get into it and and what do you put into it so i started it back in right after i graduated college back in 2006 um i i kind of just started my own grid of just how just tracking teams one by one and it never really became a big thing until a couple years later uh there's a website called bracketmatrix.com that tracks all the bracketologists across the country. And I think once I, once I saw that, it kind of added a little competition. So you're trying to do better than the top, you know, the ESPN, the CBS sports line, guys like that, you want to do better than them. Um, And every year that I've done it, uh, I've said that bracket matrix has a composite of the top bracketologists in the country. And I'm number four out of, you know, close to 200 bracketologists, and that includes guys like Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm. So part of that is, I like to think it's it's skill, it's pattern recognition by, you know, looking seeing what the committee has done in the past and trying to use that to predict what's going to happen in the future. Um, and and part of it is also luck. I mean, there's there's not I'm not a genius, but um, I like to think I pay close attention to to everything that's going on. Excellent. And so you are, I'm looking at the bracket matrix right now, actually, which I do kind of every day to track, you know, the way that Georgetown is being perceived on the, on the national scale. Are you the 
the Brad, I guess, up top? I'm not the Brad. Uh, I am F and B for Faction Brax. Oh, I got it. And we should mention your your site, factsandbrax.blogspot.com, right? Right. Nice. Okay, well, let's dive into what everyone here is listening for. And so what's your take on this Hoyas team so far? Sure. I mean, first of all, I'm sure the, you know, my brother's a Georgetown alum. So Georgetown is, even though I'm a Rutgers guy, Georgetown is right up there with, you know, with who I follow the most. And, you know, you follow their team and it seems like every single game they're losing one guy after another and they are still managing to stay relevant. Uh, Patrick Ewing, you got to give him some credit for what he's done with this team so far because could have been a nosedive after everything that's been going on, um, but that win at Butler was massive. But if you take a look at Georgetown's resume right now, they have a net of 43, which is very solid. They have a top five strength of schedule in the country and a top 40 non-conference strength of schedule in the country. And I know in the past, uh, non-conference strength of schedule was always an issue, um, but they figured it out this year and they scheduled really, really well. And I think that's one of the reasons why they are in play for a bid right now. Um, and as we dig deeper into their resume, they are five and nine versus quadrant one teams and nine and 10 versus quadrant one and two combined with no bad losses. Um, now five wins against quadrant one teams is a very good number, but it is a little misleading uh, because three of those five wins are against teams that are not going to be in the NCAA tournament. So they do have some key wins in Creighton and at Butler. Uh, I think they, I think they're, they're solid right now. I have them as one of my last teams in, um, but you're obviously going to need more uh, to juice up the resume. But fortunately for Georgetown's sake, they play in the big East. And when you play in the big East, there's opportunity. Um, going through the remaining schedule for Georgetown, you know, you got Providence at the Paul, at Marquette, Xavier at Creighton, and Villanova at home. I, I do believe if they can go four and two down the stretch, beat Providence at home, win at the Paul, beat Xavier at home, and then somehow steal a game at Marquette, at Creighton, or at or home against Nova, they can do that they will put themselves in good shape to make the tournament because of the rest of their resume. Their, their net will be solid. Their strength of schedule won't be an issue. Their road neutral record is pretty solid right now. Um, so maybe two weeks ago, Georgetown fans were kind of bleak about what was going to happen, but there's definitely a ray of sunshine right now. There's hope. So that would give Georgetown – 19 regular season wins and i guess by when you're saying that would put them on very solid footing that's regardless of what happens in the, the big east tournament uh, i assume um right my take on it was if they can get 18 wins in the regular season they should be in pretty decent shape so long as they don't then you know crap the bed in the first game of the biggest tournament correct and now it's, if they get to 18 wins, who are those three wins against? You know, that's the thing. If it's if it's Providence, DePaul, and Xavier, you know, you need to hope, even though Xavier is a team that you're competing against right now for a spot, you still also want that to be one of your wins, uh, you know, over another at-large team to, to, to bulk up your resume. 
Um, it's, it's close. I think three wins will put him in play with one in the Big East tournament. I think you feel a lot better if they can get the fourth. Uh, obviously, it's going to be difficult, but, but you know, it's, it can be done. Yeah, and I noticed that you bring up Xavier, and you had a tweet earlier today about um, basically how Xavier and Georgetown are, are very similar resume-wise. Yeah, no, they, they are similar. Uh, you look at – they each have one very good win. Xavier is at Seton Hall. Uh, Georgetown is at Butler. Georgetown has also has Creighton, um, and neither team has a has a bad loss, um, and their nets are very similar to each other. So I really think that they're 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 neck and neck. Um, it's just a matter of you know who's going to get who's going to get more you know more juice on their resume. Um, and I know people think like okay, well Georgetown plays Xavier head to head. That matchup could be the matchup that determines it. Not really, uh, because you're not just going against Xavier. You're going against all these other teams on the bubble. Um, you, you, you know, if I'm a Georgetown fan, I'm rooting for these other, the other bubble teams in my league to play well. Obviously, I want to play better, but the, the stronger my league is, the better chance it, it helps with your, with your chances at getting that large bit. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering today. I saw that Xavier – kind of narrowly edged St. John's uh, 77 to 74. The Johnny's actually coughed up an eight point lead late, shockingly. Um, But I really was conflicted as to like who I should be rooting for in that game. I figured if St. John's could, could get a win over Xavier, then our two wins over St. John's, I guess, look better. But then again, as you say, you know, if Xavier is a bubbly team, you you want a bubble team to be kind of strong. So how, how, how do we, how would you have approached, the Xavier St. John's game from a Georgetown fan's perspective. Yeah, it, it definitely could go either way. You would like St. John's to remain in the top 75 of the net. Uh, right now, they're in the upper 60s. If they stay in the top 75 of the net, obviously you have an extra quadrant one win. Um, that being said, I do think the committee, I don't think the committee, um, in terms of Saint, in terms of teams that are not going to get at-large bids, even though that's a quadrant one win St. John's it's not viewed the same as all quadrant one wins all quadrant one wins are not created equal um according to the committee is from everything that I've seen um so honestly I'm probably happier that Xavier won because I want to beat Xavier and I want that win to matter more a win over St. John's doesn't matter as much in the committee's mind Gotcha. Now you mentioned all wins are not created equal. Now, and I know that there's kind of an obsession with quad one wins and net ranking and basically all the math that goes behind seeding and, and all that. But how much, if anything, does the committee take into consideration the fact that Georgetown went into Butler without your seven, without McClung, you know, and pulled off a win there? Basically, Georgetown has done all of this, as, as you know, um, <laughs> without Mac for, for a long stretch of time. And obviously since the, the, the defections earlier this season, how much of the committee or how much does the committee weigh all that in making a final decision as to how good this Georgetown team might actually be? So unfortunately, in my mind, what you've mentioned is the, is the number one thing that I have a problem with in terms of the net. It doesn't take account when teams have injuries. Um, if you're beating a team that 
Is it, let's say, a top 25 team that is minus their best player? Or if in Georgetown's case, they're winning games at Butler minus two, two key starters. I don't think the committee really takes it into consideration at all, to be honest with you. And that's really unfortunate. Um, but that's I, I have not seen that anywhere unless it's like star players, you know, NBA guys that are top picks, Zion Williamson last year. I don't see it happening. I don't think it's I don't think they're gonna get any extra credit for winning that game, unfortunately. They don't get extra credit for Javon Blair playing the last hundred and <laughs> hundred and twenty five minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> I, in my mind, they do, but I don't think in the committee's mind they will. Um, some good stuff so far. I had a couple questions I've been, I've been writing down. Um, going back to what you said about they don't have any bad losses, I totally agree with that. Um, I did see a guy from the New York Post. Uh, I'm sure you know him. Zach Brazilier, I think his name is. Yep. He, he was talking about how the UNC, the UNC Greensboro loss is kind of a bad loss, and I don't know – I know that people were going after him about that because by any metric, it's not a bad loss. I mean, other than it says Greensboro on their jerseys, that's a solid team, right? Yeah, I mean, UNC Greenbow is, 50, is 56 in the net. They are in play for an at-large bid. They're not going to get an at-large bid, but because of their win at Georgetown, it, it keeps them um, alive. But, no, it's not a bad loss just by, yes, the name on the front of the jersey. But Georgetown has no bad losses. Um, and they only have one quadrant two loss. So if they would have beaten Greensboro, they would have been undefeated in Q2, three, and four, which would be very impressive. Yeah. Um, and I know we talked about Xavier. I mean, just an unbelievable choke job by St. John's. I watched the last half of that. But as a Georgetown, you know, pod, we were obviously very familiar with what they can do and not do at the end of a game. Who are some of the schools outside of the Big East, Georgetown fans, when they're looking at the scores in the bottom of the ticker, should be sort of actively rooting against? So teams like Wichita State, Arkansas, Indiana, Virginia, Purdue, uh, Utah State. Okay. Stan, there, there's, there's a ton of teams still in play. <laughs> like like if, you, if you look at the bracket right now, if you're if you're an eight seed or worse, you're not safe. Um, okay. And things can change. Things can change daily. Um, the one thing also to keep in mind, if if you're you know, for Georgetown fans, last year, if uh, there were no teams who finished over 500 uh, between quadrant one and two uh, opponents that missed the tournament. So, if you're tracking right now, Georgetown is nine and ten. Versus Q1 and two Q1 and Q2 opponents combined. Okay. So that's something to to keep in mind. If you if you can keep that record above 500, you're in good shape. And all of the remaining opponents are going to be in there. I mean, it looks like St. John's could really drop fall off a cliff. I feel like when you look at who they play, you're just thinking to yourself, "Where's the next win coming from?" But assuming that them and DePaul stay, all the the remaining six plus, you know, their tournament games, seven games are all going to be the quad one and two variety. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And I want—I mean, I'm just wondering. Let's say the Johnnies do fall out to to quad two. How, like, mathematically, how does that really impact Georgetown? Like, Georgetown's at a forty-three I mean, I mean, in the net. Yeah. It's not. It's not going to affect them that much. Um, it'll. It'll take away. 
it would take away a quadrant to win. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. I don't think it's the end of the world. It's not it's not something that's going to cost them a bit. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Um, and then I find the bracketology stuff really interesting. Obviously, you know, college basketball is basically a March sport, right? Everyone just kind of looks at that bracket, always, always waiting for it. Now, what all the bracketologists do pretty much is always, you're always saying this is the tournament field if it ended today. And obviously it doesn't end for a couple more weeks. Um, do you do you do any sort of forecasting out as far as, you know, there's there's obviously so many variables and this, you know, this domino happens and it affects everything. But do you do any sort of forecasting or is it all just in that moment stuff? Now, everything I do is in the moment. Whatever, okay. if the season ends today, this is what the bracket would look like. Right. I always, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I think about things, but that's but in terms of the bracketology, that's always in the moment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's just it's just too hard to just predict results especially when you're saying it's a season where we're you know middle of february and none of the eight seeds are safe that being said has the bracket been like this last couple of years i know the georgetown fans aren't really familiar with the bracket it's been it's been a couple years (laughs) as far as really paying attention to the bubble um but is this kind of the way it's been going or is this year a little bit different no i would say every single year uh, i seem to say this is the worst bubble ever but (laughs) It's 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 the same. It really is the same every okay. year. It's no different than past years. So it's like it's it, it changes on a daily basis. So you know you got to keep got to keep getting some key wins. That's that's what it's all about. And are you updating your bracket daily? I don't site? do it daily. I'll, I'll be doing it a couple times a week now. Um, I just updated it this morning, and I'll probably be doing it uh, later this week. Um, so probably twice a week until we get closer, and then I'll be doing it daily. If you had to guess today, is, do you think Georgetown can make the tournament? Or actually, I'll say a different way. If you put their chances right now, you think they're 50-50? You think they're they're trending the right way? They're trending the wrong way? Where do you feel Georgetown is right now? Honestly, I would say I still think that they're probably going to miss out on the tournament, unfortunately. What? Uh, Come but, on. But, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> We're paying you but, big but time I, to be I, here I, right I, now. Is that what you're going to give us? <laughs> but I will say this. Every time I think Georgetown is going to roll up, r- roll over and, and, and die, they win at Butler. So, you know what? I do believe <laughs> yeah. in Patrick Ewing, and I think there's hope, and I think it's probably close to 50-50. Um, okay. They, they, can, they can absolutely do it because they're in the Big East, and they have the opportunities. Um, if they can get, if they can get uh, your seven and Max back, I like their chances much better, obviously. Um, and I think they can get it done. I hope they and do. I think you I know. Really at the end of the day, that's all we can really ask for. I mean, we control our own destiny with you know half a dozen games or so left in the season. And if uh, given all that's happened to Georgetown this year, I think we're in a pretty, pretty good spot. No question. And, and and the best part is you can, you won't say the reason why Georgetown did not make it is because of their schedule. That won't be the reason. Thank God. <laughs> um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, one of your favorite features on the Internet is apparently the casual awards. Is that correct? Of course. That is correct. Yes. I love them. <laughs> Read them every day, every, every time they come Good. out. Well, we will have a, 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 a new 
version of the Casual Awards tomorrow, celebrating the massive win at Butler. Brad, tremendous job, uh, continued success with, with the site. Um, again, everyone, it's Brad Wachtel. It's at B-W-A-C-H-T-E-L 23 on Twitter. Give him a follow. Um, Brad, we will hopefully have you on again. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. See you, Brad. Take care. So, Andrew. Yes. Georgetown won again at Hinkle. I mean, this is just outrageous, right? Given, like, who was available, who was not available, the back and forth between, oh, Omir's warming up based on the Georgetown Instagram feed, and then he's playing, and then, what is it, um, was it Andy Katz, or I think, it, yeah. And it's like, he's, we you know, had, he... we, in, in an interesting, an interesting <laughs> twist, we had Andy Katz dueling with our very own Ben Standig for injury information. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, all of this could easily be short-circuited if Georgetown would just tell us something once in a while. But, you know, they play the game, and <laughs> it was kind of maddening. And, and ultimately, uh, having your seven go out and warm up, and, oh, he might play, he's playing, he's got a haircut, everything's great. The haircut uh, was huge. Not playing. The haircut's huge, and perhaps that's really the biggest thing to come out of that other game. But, I mean, he, 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 it's frustrating. But it's Georgetown. It's something that we've come to, unfortunately, expect. So anyway, um, unusually, I was able, and it was a pleasure to listen to Rich Svotkin at Hoya's win, Georgetown's legendary play-by-play guy. So he does, before the game, he does an interview with Patrick Ewing, and I think it plays before the game. I'm not sure, but it definitely plays at halftime. So I was listening to Rich and Ewing talk before the game, and in that interview, which was played at halftime on 980 locally, he talked about how it was going to be good to have Omir back. So I really think the plan was for Omir to play. And he just, he, some, you know, something happened. Uh, it, it didn't look, no one mentioned he seemed to aggravate something in warm-ups. Georgetown's traditionally cautious with injuries. I mean, people can lose the contact lens and be out of a month. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm not surprised that they held him out again, maybe ultimately thinking, okay, you know, this Butler game is kind of house money. If we win, great. But if not, we really need them back at home against Providence. Who knows? Um, But uh, look, we've got Providence on Wednesday, right? I mean, we've got to, and suddenly, I mean, we just listened to Brad. We're in a position to make the dance. This is big time. Right. And let's talk about the players that did play. Okay. Yeah. Blair played 40 minutes, 16 points. Um, Mosley played 40 minutes, eight points, five assists. Terrell Allen was the hero. Obviously, 22 points, tied his career high. He's been at three schools now Drexel, Central Florida, and the Hoyas, 40 minutes. I mean, it's unbelievable what this group is doing. And then, special, special honorable mention to Ego FA, who had barely played all year, plays 12 minutes. Four big points on two um, two uh, rebound, two offensive rebound putbacks. I mean, it's unbelievable what they're doing. It, it really is. I, 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 I can tell I'm at a loss for words. I, I, uh, you know, I live in New Orleans. This past weekend is the first weekend of Mardi Gras. So I'm at Mardi Gras parades and following the game on my phone. Every time I check the score, um, you know, assuming or 
hoping that I don't see what I'm thinking I'm going to see, which is, you know, Butler with the large lead, you know, Georgetown maintained that lead the whole way through. Um, I think Butler grabbed the lead early in the second half and I was thinking, Oh, okay. You know, here we go. Here we go. And it just never happened. It just no. never happened. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, huge credit to Ewing staff and, and the players um, just a, a remarkable win. And uh, hopefully they can keep it going. Hopefully they can keep it going, but it's just unbelievable. I know, I know I tweeted earlier, and I was I was I was assuming that Allen would make the Big East honor roll, but they only played one game, and I definitely don't know what every team did this week. But the last three weeks, you have Javon Blair honor roll, Javon Blair honor roll. Today, Terrell <laughs> Allen, and these are two guys that, if Akinjo doesn't leave, and if McClung's not hurt. I mean, what kind of minutes do you think they were getting? I mean, it's just the, the odds on this. I mean, the odds on the starting lineup for, you know, this past game are just out of this world. But then the fact that the guys that are getting the minutes, getting the opportunity, are producing at all Big East levels, it's it's insane. <laughs> it, it really is. I also think Allen was fouled on that last three, by the way. Um, oh, absolutely. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, it, it's really also remarkable just to take a step back and think about, Georgetown's performance at Hinkle, which is generally considered a difficult place to play, right? Can we you go know, next good year? Home court. I mean, I feel can like we, we should, just play right? all our games? We can play all our games at Hinkle and MSG, and, you know, that's all we need. <laughs> um, and then the defense, too, right? If everyone remembers the first time they played Butler, which I was tweeting about during the first half where it looked like Georgetown was going to be, you know, put up a good effort. Probably it was a close game because they just don't have enough guys. I was way wrong on that. But if you remember the way the first game went, Georgetown's up, I think, 11 or 12 at the half. And then yeah. they just couldn't solve McDermott. Well, okay, McDermott was two for 10 from three. You know, Butler kept on shooting threes. They finished the game nine for 32. Georgetown only needed 15 attempts to make 10. You know what I mean? So I know, like, the defense takes a lot of a, a lot of crap, both on Twitter, probably on this podcast. But, I mean, like, you know, they certainly didn't lose. You know, they weren't going to lose the same way twice, which is all you could kind of ask for. And we didn't hit your magic 80-point mark and still got a W. Yeah, so I know. So I, I was at I was at Eagle Bank Arena for George Washington and George Mason. And I'm like, well, I got, I got to find my so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I've got to find those stats. I've got to <laughs> find those stats. So um, Ewing is like, I think it's like, it's like six and – 25 when they don't score 80 but three of those wins have been the last two weeks (laughs) so Mm -hmm. he's finding a different way to win you know what i mean absolutely so how do we beat providence well um not going down 16 nothing would be a really good way to start i mean if you remember that game it was just a complete disaster no one really knew mcclung was going to be out that was the first sign of you know what's going on Mm -hmm. and it was just like it was it was New Year's Eve. It was my birthday. They just got completely throttled. I mean, they were never in it. But there was a moment where they cut it, and I know it sounds crazy to say, they cut it to 14 in the second half, and you start thinking, hey, a couple more stops. They're right there. It didn't happen. You know, they got they they were down 31 or 32 at the half. It just wasn't enough. Basically, Providence isn't a really great offensive team, and they had their best game of the season, unfortunately, against the Hoyas. In the you know they they shot like sixty five percent they were ten for eighteen from three I mean it's just it was just unbelievable. Um, well, they so, I mean arguably they just had their best game of the season against Seton Hall. 
so, you know, I don't know if that's a, that's a good thing. You know, it's always nice when perhaps a team has peaked heading into a game against us. I mean, it certainly prevents us from kind of sleepwalking and helps us take note as to what's coming. Um, on the other hand, this is a Providence team, I guess that has been pretty inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, but not, but nonetheless does have some weapons. Traditionally battles Georgetown pretty tightly. Um, just, I, I'm, but I'm glad they did beat Seton Hall. Go ahead. So there have been no overtime games yet this season. No, oh, which geez. is unusual. <laughs> they played five last year. They played five Ewing's first year. Basketball overtime games happen. The last time Georgetown didn't play an overtime game was 2010. Okay, so. Last year, um, you might, you know, I'm sure you remember, like, uh, McClung hit some crazy, like, bank from half court to tie the game. And then I want to say Akinjo hit a big shot in one of the first over. They had to do was double overtime. So I think this is going to go to overtime. And I'm going to be complaining about it a lot because it's an 830 local tip. So if it ends under normal circumstances, it'll be ending probably around, well, okay, 830 tip. That means 845. Sorry to break everybody's heart, but that's just the way it works. So the game will probably be ending right around 10.50. And my guess is we're going to have at least five minutes of free basketball, which is not great for Georgetown since their entire team has to play 40. 40, (laughs) Well, in in this case, uh, 45 minutes. You you literally might see Jake and Mosley play 50 minutes on uh, Wednesday night, which is something. Um, You know, you wonder wonder if Iggy has uh, carved out a little bit of role, even if your seven comes back, you know, are they going to kind of ease your seven back in or is he ready to go full throttle? If he plays at all, I mean, who knows what's going on. McClung, like you, you said a couple of weeks ago, he, he seems to not be anywhere near no a return. Um, no. But they haven't, haven't said anything. Haven't, you know, put him on ice for the rest of the regular season. Um, They're not going to because, and I, I disagree with it, but this is the whole, like, well, if we make Providence spend any time preparing for mm-hmm. McClung, that's time that they spent that's wasted their time, is why right. a team would do something like this, right? So that's kind of my guess. I mean, it, it's hard, and, you know, I don't know if they show it on TV or whatever, but if you ever get a chance to just really, if you see McClung, just watch the way he walks. He does not look like someone that's day-to-day. It just it just doesn't. And he's been day-to-day for, this is week three of day-to-day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, someone, I can't remember, I apologize if you're listening. Thank you for listening. But someone had tweeted at me, if you remember, like a couple weeks ago, or maybe like a month or two ago, he was wearing like the older shoes, and people were sort of, you know, clowning on him because they had they had tape on them. And someone was like, look, he's probably wearing those shoes, because those are the shoes that like felt the best. And we don't know what his actual foot injury is. But there's certain foot injuries that, you know, can be just, you know, all you just need to take time off and like nothing's really going to help except for time, you know, duration. Like there's no treatment. It's just you have to be off your feet. So that was a pretty good theory. I'm not a tinfoil hat kind of guy, but that did make sense because it made no sense why he was wearing those those particular shoes. Absolutely. Let's check out some tweets and Twitter action. People okay. asking some questions ahead of the, the wonderful cast tonight. Uh, at Steve Grundman, what is actually wrong with Max Foot? No idea. Just glad it's not amputated. Let's see. <laughs> um, uh, there are a few others here. With oh, I know some people. The, oh, with the success of the upperclassmen guard trio, 
as starters during this recent run. Should Ewing consider Mac as a six-man spark plug? That's at Big Earl. Which I, I probably think yes at this point, probably because if, if Mac does come back, I imagine he's not going to just jump into a 30-minute-a-night role right off the bat. I, he might even he might come off the bench. Yeah, um, I feel like because Blair is so used to coming off the bench, and that that's why I think he's a great bench guy. I mean, there's there's certain guys that just they can't handle not starting. I'm not saying McClung is one of them. I mean, it, this goes all the way up to like people like in my adult leagues. Like some people just have to start, and it's just comfortable for them to do that. So I could see, you know, I don't think we've ever seen McClung come off the bench. So like, can he do it? Like we know Blair can just come right off the bench and get 20 shots up. Like that's not that's not a problem. So yeah. I think that we'll see McClung play like really, really low minutes if he ever makes it back, which I don't think he will. But I think, you know, he, he, he's just going to be playing less than he would. So I, I think starting, not starting doesn't really matter. If That's kind of a lame way to answer that mm-hmm. maybe. But we got, that, we got another one from at the kid <laughs> underscore. I want more Wahab. This country needs more Wahab. But will you and give us more Wahab even with a healthy year seven? Um, everything that Ewing has said indicates no. Um, there was a couple people trying to push that point. I can't remember what game it was after. It was a home game. Um, and he, you know, Ewing is obviously very tied to your seven. I think it was after the home loss to Butler. And, you know, Wahab sort of brings a different kind of player. I I think you're I think you're gonna get heavy doses of your seven if he's healthy. And I can't believe he didn't play. I really thought that picture of him and Jack the Bulldog was a great right. indication that he was able to sort of crouch down and not have a boot on his foot and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think when he comes back, I think it's going to be kind of the ratio of minutes that they have been going for. Um, but I think what Wahab has really done is given a lot of people something to look forward to for next year. Everyone assumes your seven is not going to stay, but I don't think it's as bad of a situation as it looked maybe when the season started, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, you Absolutely. know, they're running three freshman center. Can any of them play? Well, it's clear Wahab can. Uh, speaking about people who have left Georgetown, late news this evening, Jeff Green signs with the Rockets. Yes. Oh. I think it's great. I think it's great. Now there are two Hoyas in the NBA, which is, <laughs> seems crazy to say. I mean, the All-Star game was yesterday. And, you know, back when I was a kid, you know, Georgetown had like three players, you know, in the All-Star game. And now there's just two guys in the entire league which kind of shows you why things haven't been as great because it's not that difficult. You have to have good players. But Jeff Green always, you know, deserved to be in the NBA this year, and you knew that he was going to go to a contender. So I will be looking forward to see how the small ball Rockets use Jeff Green. And he was one of the Wizards' best players last year in a season that just completely derailed with injuries and all that stuff. So it was great to have Jeff Green locally. And I'm glad that he's back with the Rockets. I saw Jeff play in the preseason when he was with the Jazz. They came and played uh, here in New Orleans to play the Pelicans. He put up like 25 points in like 15 minutes. You know, <laughs> he didn't look like anyone who was ready to uh, not be a contributor to any team in the league. And uh, you know, best of success with the Rockets. Um, real quick, I tweeted yesterday. I retweeted Ryan Matumbo, who said that, and we talked about this last week that he wasn't going to announce anything recruiting wise, like until next year and all that kind of stuff. And I tweeted, yeah, it'd be a disaster if Georgetown didn't sign him. Okay. It wouldn't be a disaster. That was a poor choice of word, but I think if you're Georgetown, you know, you look at DePaul, who knows that they're going to keep Lato, 
but he's already got like some good recruits for 2021. I just think that would be such a great way to kick off the 2021 recruiting class by getting Ryan Batumbo to sign up. He's a top 100 player now. He's gotten so much better in the last couple of years. Everyone that's focused on that has, you know, said that. To can visit all the games. Maybe I'm just being more worried than other people, but I just think that would be such a great way to start off. You know, it just seems like Georgetown's always sort of like under Ewing. They're always sort of scrambling for recruits at the last minute, which has worked out okay with some grad transfers and, you know, some other guys. But I just think that would be a great way to just, hey, boom, we got Ryan Matumbo. Of course we do. He's Ryan Matumbo. Let's keep going from here. Well, we've got we've got Moncrease announcement coming up on the 21st. We got right. win today of uh, this, uh, another point guard who's visiting during the Villanova weekend with Frankie Collins, I think his name is, he's a four-star point guard uh, who may reclassify the class of two, 2020. Um, okay. Suddenly, we're we're in the mix for a lot of guys, uh, which yeah. is new and exciting. But you're right. I mean, no one would argue with you about Ryan Matumbo. <laughs> no one doesn't want Matumbo to come to Georgetown, right? No, yeah. I, it just It's just more of like – because, like, the guys you just mentioned right now are, you know, the 2020s. Like, they're trying to get the late 2020 guys. So I just right. think it would be so great to get ahead of the game in 2021 and being like – because I think that also sends a signal of, you know, hey, look, you know, we're going to keep bringing in good, good players, good kids, and it's Ryan Matumbo. <laughs> like – you got to get this one. Like this, come on. This is this is one you well, got to get. The, the, the problem with the Matumbo thing is, if he doesn't go to Georgetown, it's almost worse, right? Like yeah. it looks so much worse if he doesn't go to Georgetown. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I still, I think we we talked about this on a podcast ago or so, where I think it's the kind of thing where he ends up at Georgetown, but is projecting sort of. I haven't made my mind up because he doesn't want to be in his dad's shadow, that kind of thing. Well, and, you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, that don't make the NBA, this is a really exciting time, right? Where, I mean, who doesn't like, who doesn't want to be like, you know, courted and wooed and all those things. So this is his opportunity to be like, Hey, yeah, I know I'm Ryan Matumbo, but let me experience this time of like all these big schools, you know, coming and telling me why I'm so great. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's just him specifically, but I think in general, you know, like, 20 years ago, you never have a kid come out and say, this is my top 12 schools I'm looking at, you know, like, or I've cut my list to 12. It used to be like, this yeah. is my final three or five yeah. now. So obviously there's a part to this and I don't blame them because, you know, the schools get everything on their side. So this is definitely not me. I'm definitely pro player, but that, that could sort of be another thing of just let the guys enjoy the process, let them go, let, let them take their five official visits and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we've got Providence on Wednesday. We've got DePaul on Saturday. Got to go two and up. We'll record episode 36 on Monday. Hopefully by that point, we'll have 17 wins. That would be a great place to be. Um, again, Kente Corner, a casual Hoya podcast. You could find it Apple, Spotify, Google, all those places. I'm at Bobby Bancroft, and this is at Casual Hoya. Andrew, Andrew until next time. Hoya Saxa. Later. See you.